Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Charger Football Podcast hosted by Andy Dietrich with Coach Doug Dynan. This week we are joined by Carol Sr. and offensive lineman Nathan Spade. The Charger Football Podcast is sponsored by OPS, Optimum Performance Sports, the official sports medicine provider for Carroll High School. For week number 11, the Chargers open sectional play against our recent playoff nemesis, the Snyder Panthers. The Panthers have ended the last two Charger seasons with sectional wins. In fact, the Chargers have only defeated the Panthers once, last year's win in the regular season. In week two of this season, the Panthers defeated the Chargers 21-20 at Spoiler Stadium in what was arguably sophomore quarterback Jeffrey Becker's best game of the regular season, in which he threw for 244 yards and three touchdowns, plus he ran for an additional 132 yards. There's something about Spoiler Stadium because Becker played even better than he did in Week 2 as the Chargers defeated the Panthers 42-31 to advance to next week's sectional title game against an undefeated Homestead Spartans. To put in perspective the historic nature of last week's win over Snyder, listen to this. The last time Snyder was defeated in the first round of the playoffs, 1999. Snyder has also won 12 straight sectional titles, and current Panther head coach Kurt Tittman, who is in his 11th year leading the Panthers, has never lost a sectional game. For anybody who knows anything about Fort Wayne High School football, beating the Snyder Panthers is a very big deal. Friday's defeat of the Panthers was one of the most entertaining high school games I have seen in my life. If you weren't in attendance, please head over to the SummitCity.com's YouTube channel and watch it. Until then, here's the highlights. The Chargers won the coin toss and deferred their choice to the second half, so the Panthers got the football first. On their opening drive, Snyder marked 64 yards to score a touchdown that put them up 7 to nothing. All but seven yards of the drive were on the ground, and the Panthers looked focused and played extremely physical. Unfortunately, when the Chargers got the football for the first time, they had a three and out and were forced to punt. After giving up a first down to the Panthers on their second possession, the Charger defense forced Snyder to punt, giving Carroll the ball near midfield. But a Charger fumble a few plays later gave the ball right back to Snyder. On the very next play, Snyder fumbled to give the ball back to Carroll at the Snyder 31. It was the first sign of how crazy this game was going to become. Four plays later, Becker hit a wide open Leighton Mitchell for a 36-yard touchdown to tie the score at 7-2-7. Here's SummitCitySports.com's Jim Miso with the call. 4.49 to go in the first quarter. Snyder 7, Carroll nothing. First and five at the Panther 36-yard line for the Carroll Chargers. And for the first time tonight, they are matriculating the ball down the field with a little bit of help. Here's Becker, play action fake. His pass is deep, and he's got a man wide open. Mitchell, give that man six points. And Mitchell was all by himself. The closest man to him was somewhere around New Haven. Leighton Mitchell with the touchdown reception. And the Chargers are an extra point away from tying this game up. The craziness continued when Snyder's Cameron Trotter had a 54-yard run on the first play from scrimmage on the ensuing drive. However, the Charger defense stiffened, and the Panthers had to settle for a field goal to make the score 10-7, to 
in favor of Snyder. On the next Carroll drive, the Chargers used a version of the Jelly Donut in which Becker hit Mitchell for a 20-yard TD pass to put Carroll ahead 14-10, a lead they would never relinquish. What's the Jelly Donut? It's a reverse flea flicker that usually goes for big yards. Here's Jim Miso's call of the play. The ball is at the 20. It's third and 15. And here's some trickeration. Here's Becker. He's open. He throws into the end zone. And give that man six points. Touchdown pass to number 19. Mitchell from Becker. My goodness. Doug Dynan digs deep into the Halloween bag of tricks. And Carroll has the lead. Becker to Mitchell. Boy, you draw that up in the playground, don't you? 20-yard touchdown pass with 25 seconds to go in the first quarter. Carroll has the lead for the first time tonight. Horton will try and make it a four-point margin. Bit of a high snap. Spotted, booted, and the kick is good. 25 seconds to go first quarter. It's now Carroll 14, Snyder 10. In the second quarter, the Chargers played fantastic. The defense kept the Panthers off the scoreboard, and the offense would score two more touchdowns. The first of the two second-quarter touchdowns was the play of the game. On second and 15 from the Snyder 28, Becker started to drift to his left to avoid pressure, but scrambled back to the right to avoid four Snyder defenders. Once clear, he turned his eyes downfield and noticed Tyler Morrison wide open in the end zone. The ball was on the money, and the Chargers extended the lead 21-10. to Second down and 15 for Carroll. The ball is at the Snyder 28-yard line. Incomplete pass stops the clock with 9.45 to go in the first half. Carroll 14, Snyder 10. Now the Chargers with three receivers to this side. Line the gain is just short of the 13-yard line. Now they send Harris out, so it's a naked backfield. Becker calls his own number, and he gets away from one man, stays alive somehow. Now he throws on the run into the end zone. It's caught. Give that man six points. Oh, my. Eat your heart out, Patrick Mahomes. Anglered with the catch for the touchdown. My goodness. 28 yards in that touchdown pass. And Carroll has opened up a 10-point lead. It could be 11 here in a moment. 9.32 to go in the first half. Horton will try the extra point. Becker holding, spotted, booted, and the kick is good. Timeout, Carroll 21, Snyder 10. On the next Snyder drive, Lincoln Lance intercepted an underthrown ball and returned it 43 yards to the Snyder 38-yard line. First down at the 50. Two receivers to the right, one to the near side. And here is Barnes rolling to his right. Barnes stops and he throws one deep. And that ball is going to be picked off the 20-yard line. To the 30, to the 40, down the far side of the 50, all the way down to the 37-yard line. We'll try and get a number. It is picked off. Lincoln Lance, we are told, picked it off. 
And Carroll has the ball at the Snyder 38-yard line. Six plays later, Becker plunged in from the one to make it 28-10 Chargers. The first half ended when Cade Dynan intercepted a Hail Mary in the end zone to preserve the 28-10 halftime lead. 28-10, Carroll with the lead. And let's see here if Snyder takes a shot of the end zone. Clock will start on the snap. Three receivers, two on this side, one on the right. John Barnes Jr. takes the snap. He looks, he looks, he throws one deep down the near side, and it's going to be broken up and intercepted in the end zone. Out to the 10 and brought down at the 15-yard line after making the pick was Cade Dynan. Cade Dynan with his fourth interception of the season as the first half comes to an end on a Snyder turnover, their third turnover. And you look at the two teams right now, you don't have to look at the scoreboard to see who's winning. Carroll flies into their locker room as Snyder walks glumly into theirs. Halftime, Carroll 28 Snyder, 10. If you thought the Panthers headed into the locker room at halftime, a little shell shock being down 28 to 10, they came out with a different attitude in the second half. They forced the Chargers into a three and out and then took all of three plays to score a touchdown to make the score 28 to 17. It was the first of what would be five total touchdowns scored in a wild third quarter. On the Chargers' second drive of the third quarter, Carroll fumbled the ball away after a gain of 20 yards. With the fumble recovery, momentum was clearly on the side of the Panthers, and they scored another touchdown to cut the deficit to 28-24 just midway through the third quarter. Completely unfazed, Becker led the Chargers on a 70-yard scoring drive that featured a 24-yard TD pass to a barely open Morrison, to give the Chargers just a little breathing room to make the score 35-24. to If you can say one thing about Jeffrey Becker, he doesn't play with one ounce of fear. Second down and eight at the Snyder 24-yard line. 4.40 left in the third quarter. Here's Becker on second and eight. He's got time. He throws it deep, and it's going to be caught in the back of the end zone. Give that man six points. Touchdown, Carroll. The Chargers with a response. Touchdown, Chargers. The reception made by Tyler Morrison. And Carroll gets out to a two-possession lead again at 34-24. That's Becker's fourth touchdown pass of the night. And the offensive line, give that Carroll offensive line credit for giving Becker time. The point after by Horton is good. Timeout, Carroll 35, Snyder 24. On the ensuing Snyder drive, the Panthers scored a touchdown to cut the Charger lead back down to four at 35-31 with around 2.20 to go in the third quarter. When the Chargers got the ball back, Becker again had them on the move but he missed a wide-open Eddie Bransfield at the Panther 21 for what would have been a sure touchdown. Becker wasn't bothered by the miscue, and on the very next play, he hit Mason Englert for a 33-yard touchdown 
to put the Chargers back up by 11 at 42 to 31. First down at the Snyder 33-yard line. 115 remaining third quarter. Fresh set of downs for Carroll. They lead 35-31. And it is a play action. Becker has time again. Throws on the far side. Oh, he overthrew an open receiver. Bradsfield was open. If he had caught that ball, that would have been a touchdown. But as it is, it's second down and 10 for Carroll at the Snyder 33. Incomplete pass stops the clock with 101 remaining in the third quarter. Carroll 35, Snyder 31. Oh, hopefully you're enjoying this one wherever you're logged on. We've got a lot of hits here, it looks like, on SummitCitySports.com this evening. Here's Becker in some trouble. Gets away, stays alive, throws one deep. He's got open man at the 10, at the 5, in the end zone. Give that man six points. Becker does it again. Touchdown, Chargers. Becker, number seven, Englert. Englert makes the touchdown reception. Mason Englert with the touchdown reception. And again, it's a two-possession game, favor of the Chargers. Even though the third quarter was a track meet as both teams marched up and down the field to score a combined five touchdowns, the fourth quarter featured just four tension-filled drives. Following the last Charger touchdown drive late in the third quarter, Snyder began a drive that would eventually eat up four minutes of the fourth quarter before they had to punt. Unfortunately, the Chargers used up less than a minute of game time before they had to punt the ball back to Snyder, with 7.25 left and the Panthers down by 11. Snyder methodically moved the ball down to the Charger 19-yard line, but linebacker Craig McGinnis intercepted a Panther pass on fourth and three, to seal the game with 4.30 left. All right, big play here. They start the clock up, line the games to 16, fourth and three. Barnes rolling, throwing, and it's intercepted! Intercepted at the 12-yard line by the Carroll Chargers. And the pick is made by Craig McGinnis, Jr. Number 45, he's a junior. 5'10", 165 pounds, and he may have just sealed the deal right there. Snyder was never able to get the football back as the Chargers were able to get two crucial first downs to run out the clock in advance to next Friday's sectional title game at Homestead. For the game, Becker was 18-28 for 324 yards and five touchdowns. Running back Evan Harris ran the ball 20 times for 62 important yards. Morrison caught three passes for 78 yards and the two touchdowns. Mitchell caught three balls for 66 yards and the two TDs. And Mason Englert had a night when he caught eight passes for 143 yards and a touchdown. Defensively, linebacker Hunter Mertz has 12 tackles. Lincoln Lance had nine tackles and an interception. McGinnis had seven tackles and an interception. And Cade Dynan had six tackles and an interception. For the season, the Charger defense has made a remarkable 16 interceptions. Before this word from the Charger Game Day store, I want to give a shout out to the girls cross-country team. On Saturday, 
they won their second straight state championship. Well done, girls, and I can't wait to see the trophy displayed in the Fieldhouse. After the break, we'll hear what Coach Dynan has to say about the exciting win over Snyder. Attention Charger fans. Do you know how to get Charger gear for yourself or your family? The Charger Game Day Store is your one-stop shop for high-quality Charger items of all kinds. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, flags, blankets, jackets, stickers, and much more. Visit us at all home varsity football games in the store located near the scoreboard or inside during all home volleyball games and boys and girls basketball games. If those times don't work, shopping by appointment can be an option. Be sure to mark your calendar for the sixth annual Charger Blue Christmas Sale that will take place on Saturday, December 14th from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m. Check the Charger Game Day Store website on a link from the athletic webpage to check out what we have to help you get your Charger gear on. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, as I said in the recap, just an incredibly exciting game. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch it on YouTube, please go back and watch it. Every touchdown was just flat out spectacular. So here's Coach Dynan. What was it like from your uh, view on the sideline? Well, Andy, you know, the, I mean, the, uh, the enjoyable thing is that you, you get to spend time with guys that are very close to you, you know, and that's, and I'm speaking of staff, you know, those guys that are on the staff are, are, are my close friends and best friends and, and getting to be in the middle of that competition and that fray with, with people like that is, is really what makes everything memorable. Um, you know, you talk about play calling and Andy Papagiannis is our offensive coordinator, as you know, and most everybody knows. And, you know, I give him autonomy to, to call, you know, whatever it is, you know, obviously we, we communicate a lot on the sidelines or on headphones and communicating a lot, you know, and there's always that time that, that I feel some, I want something, I want to see something. And, you know, and then, you know, and I have that, that, uh, you know, that right, I guess, you know, and that privilege to, to voice my opinion, what I want to see. Um, but for the majority of the time, the other 75 out of 76 plays, you know, are, are all called by him and, and he does a great job. You know, I've been in his shoes. I've been in that situation to, to where the, the, the sequence of the plays and the flow of the game is, is on your shoulders and, he does a tremendous job. We spend a lot of time, him and I spend a lot of time, you know, obviously with the offensive line coaches too, but, uh, and, and coach Sherman with, with the quarterbacks, but Andy and I spend a lot of time on the weekend, you know, talking scheme, you know, talking formations, talking about, you know, what's best and, and how we're going to block things and, and what we're going to do on the offensive side and the, and the personnel that is best used for these formations. And, and he just takes it to another level. He has a lot of creativity. He, he's, he was a great player at Carroll. He was a, a tremendous player at St. Francis. And we have year in and year out, we have the best wide receivers in town. And, you know, and hat goes off to him. Hat goes off to, to all of our coaches and the amount of time that they put in and work that they do. Um, defensive coaches as well, you know, and, and you see that by, the enthusiasm of the players. You can see that by the enthusiasm of the relationship with players and coaches, you know, whether that be a practice or, or in the game and, you know, it's fun. And that's, that's what I get to enjoy. You know, that's my Friday night. My Friday night is, is honestly, it's, it's, you know, sit back and enjoy and get caught up in the emotion of the game, you know, because, you know, to be honest, uh, Sunday through Thursday is, is, or I should say Saturday through Thursday is, is total business, total work, 
you know, trying to make sure all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted and, and everything is aligned. And, you know, Friday, and I hope our kids feel that way too. Friday's the day to just, just play, you know, just have fun. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happens in your program. And, you know, I've been around your program long enough and, and have seen the relationship that you and Coach Poppy have. And I think this year, I mean, Coach Poppy has had a fantastic career as calling plays. I mean, you've had some great quarterbacks. I mean, you've had Grant Wilson and you've had, you know, Chris Terry and Aiden Smith and, and Gavin Vogt and Jack McGill. And now you've got Jeffrey Becker. And to me, Jeffrey Becker seems to be the quarterback that really fits uh, Coach Poppy's personality. I mean, Coach Poppy's a gunslinger. I mean, probably the only times that you got to pull a play out is like, whoa, slow down here, Tiger. We just need to run the ball and run out the clock. But it's almost like, you know, each one of them are each other's spirit animal. And and Poppy has no fear in calling plays, and Jeffrey plays without fear. You know, I think the best one was, and I think it was in the third quarter, when uh, Jeffrey overthrew Bransfield for a sure, sure touchdown. Didn't seem to bother Jeffrey. Coach Poppy called another pass play. Boom. Touchdown. I mean, that's, that's just next a play. symbol. Next play. Very next play. Yeah. I mean, we had that in the, in the yeah. highlights earlier and that's just, I think that's just a symbol. I was like, I think what we're going to see from those two guys over the next two years is, you know, you got just the, you know, the perfect quarterback for your offensive coordinator. It's really fun to watch. Yeah. And, you know, and you're right. And like, as I said, Andy's a, a creative guy, you know, in terms of the mindset and the hours that he puts in and, and making sure that the organization is, is proper is, is tremendous, you know, and, and balance that with the fact, and here's what, you know, most people don't, don't realize. And those people that don't even, you know, equate into the fact that from, uh, you know, probably seven o'clock until four o'clock, you know, he's working a job, you know, he's downtown crunching numbers and, you know, being a financial analyst and, 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 you know, work working a job outside of football, you know, and, you know, to put in the hours that he does. And, and this goes for, for, again, you know, I could, I could say the same thing and I could change the name of the coach that's on staff, okay? but, you know, we happen to be talking about one right now, you know, but, you know, equate into the fact that, you know, he's got family, he's got kids, you know, and, and that's true for, for the multitude of people that are doing the same thing, whether that be, you know, Joe Rudolph or Dan Nixon or, you know, or, or you know, Ron Fricky, whoever that is, the amount of time that, that people invest into the program for relationships with, with the players within the program and development of players within the program. Um, it's, it's, you know, without question. And, and this is not, I mean, and I'm not patting ourselves on the back because this is not unique to Carroll High School. You know, this is this is high school athletics, and this is the great thing about high school athletics, is that the investment and the relationship that coaches and players and teammates and everybody have, you know, that flourishes beyond just playing on the field, and that's that's the great thing about you know the education-based athletics. Uh, you 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 hit it on the head with that. That's what high school sports are all about. Well, let's get back to football. Have you ever thought that your defense would give up 550 yards? and 400 yards rushing, and you would still win. Talk about how that defense had a tendency to just bend, 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 but didn't break very often. And, in fact, they did not break in very, very crucial situations, especially in that second half. Yeah, if, if you throw out those numbers, you know, and you were looking just at statistics, you'd say that team came out, you know, on the losing side, you know. But, 
the the bottom line that that always determines if you're going to be successful or not is is creating over and again our, our defense did it again if i'm not mistaken we had three interceptions and a fumble recovery and 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 that's what matters you know they they're you know they they handled the line of scrimmage at times and they ran the ball well at times you know but our our defense made stops when they had to make stops whether it be at the end of the half or their last drive to give us back the ball so that we can run out the clock with four and a half minutes to go. Um, you know, th- those are the things that matter. Those are the things that determine championship games. You know, and and going back, you know, you, another point that people overlook is that we regained the ball with four and a half minutes in the end of the game. And our offensive line, the running backs, everybody, you know, coaches and everybody did a tremendous job of managing and not relinquishing the ball again. And that's, those are, the, those are little details that, that win championships. You, you always want to make a team one dimensional and you guys did that. You made Snyder only run the ball. Unfortunately they ran for 400 yards because they got two giant offensive linemen they ran behind, but you completely took away the pass game. Uh, three interceptions and that's 16 for the season through only 10 games. That's amazing. Our past defense have been really, really good. And you go back to the, you know, once McGinnis made that interception and uh, you got to uh, got the ball back with four and a half minutes. I mean, you have the ball on like around the 10, 12 yard line and you don't want to give the ball back to Snyder, even though you are up two scores, you still don't want to give them back. And those two crucial first downs that your team got, uh, were as impressive. And I think the last of those two first downs was fourth and one around the 20. I love the guts that you guys had to go for that. That was awesome. It was, it was a fourth and fourth and one situation, but it also, it also points out two things. And this is, this is complete confidence in, in everybody in the program. One from an offensive mindset, you know, Poppy and I, you know, separated and, and we talked about situations, you know, and, and, what we wanted to do and when I quickly made the decision that we're going for it, then the discussion between him and I was only about what play we were going to run to be successful in doing that. But it also points out the confidence that if if we don't make that first down, we're relinquishing the ball to them in scoring situation. And that's the, also the confidence that I had in our defense and the confidence that they weren't going to get two scores in that short period of time. So we, I mean, a minute and a half to go that it's, you know, you think that it's 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 a very brave call, but it's it's the right call. It's the mindset that you have to have that if you get the first down, then the game's over. You know, if you punt the ball, then you have to make some stops. If you punt the ball, there's a potential of a block punt. You know, and so get the first down, game over. Yeah, I love the call. In fact, I honestly I had no doubt that you guys were going to go for it. But uh, I happened to be sitting right in front of your coaches in the booth, and I turned around and looked at Coach Sherman, and I go, Grant. Can you make sure you tell them to go for it? Just you have to go for it. He had a little wink in my eye. I think he knew too. And ta-da, Chargers got it. It was just awesome. Just just a, a well-executed football game. Uh, lots of great tension, especially in that fourth quarter. You know, if you think about in the second and the, uh, the third quarter, there's like yeah. a million touchdown scores. No touchdown scored at all in the fourth quarter. And that's when the defense rose up to the occasion and got a stop. Yeah, defense yeah. will win you championships. Offense just keeps you from losing. Yeah. Well, you know, the defense is, is playing very well and the defense is doing their job. And, 
you know, the offense put it in the house when we had to, and they, you know, did not relinquish the lead. We, when we went up, you know, that was, that was the point, and we did not relinquish the lead after we took the lead. You know, and I love the resilience. I mean, Snyder came out, uh, and you knew this was going to happen. They came out of the halftime, and they punched us in the mouth, not once, but twice. Didn't phase the kids. Once they got the ball after that second touchdown, they went down and scored, and they just kept keeping that lead at two scores, and, and really until the interception that sealed it. So, got to be awful proud of your kids. One of the funnest games I've ever seen played, and uh, I mean, I've I've been lucky enough working on this podcast that I've watched game film about almost as much as you have, and I have a smile on my face every time I watch it. Kids play played fantastic. Just a fun night for the Chargers. Just, just an awesome job, Coach. Yep, it was. You know, we're very proud, and you know, we're very, you know, proud to to represent the school, and very proud to continue to play, and you know, be in the opportunity where we're at to be able to compete for a sectional championship this Friday. All right. When we get back from the break, we're going to hear from offensive lineman Nathan Spade. OPS Optimum Performance Sports is the official sports medicine provider of Carroll High School. From diagnosing, repairing, and rehabbing injuries to pushing yourself to the limit on the playing field by utilizing cutting-edge training programs, Optimum Performance Sports is proud to be a partner with Charger Athletics and the Carroll community. For more information, visit www.optimumperformancesports.com. OPS, rethink your limits. This week's special player guest is senior right tackle Nathan Spade, and Nathan is the anchor of the right side of the line that has played fantastic this year. We've run the ball very well, and we've especially excelled at our pass blocking. So welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you. So Nathan, last Friday night's game was awesome to watch. Uh, I've been watching high school football for almost 30 years, and this is probably one of the top four or five games that I've ever seen. So you're one of the lucky ones who got to play in it. So how much fun was it to play in last Friday's game? Well, Jeffrey Becker, again, that guy's a cheat code. He's one of the best QBs I've seen play like in a while, especially at high school. And he's just a great guy. The atmosphere is awesome playing in a sectional game and winning like that against a team that was really good and was supposed to beat us or projected to beat us. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You're playing in that big stadium, uh, Spuller Stadium. You know, even though it was built probably around 1973, it's a great football stadium. It, it holds probably 8,000 people, and they have the brand-new turf. And Jeffrey's only thrown eight touchdown passes on that surface. So what's it like playing in a big stadium in a big game on that brand-new turf surface? I mean, is there something special about that stadium? Uh, yeah, I've been playing on it since freshman year, and uh, I haven't won a game on it since freshman year. And winning a game on that field, like closing out my senior season or being the last game that I play on that field as my senior season, it's just personal to me and probably to other seniors. We're heading into week 12. Now, week 10, we had a bye week. And so, you know, you've got 11 weeks of football played so far. And the offensive line has played really well. So talk about how you guys have have worked to get to this point and kind of assess how you guys have played so far this season. Um, well, first starts out with being together as a group. And I feel like this year has been like the closest we've been in the past four years, uh, especially having a sophomore as the right guard position. We had to help him out and 
he's just taken role of a position. He's done a great job of it. And I think our progression as a line has gone up like through the roof and that's helped out like a lot during the games. So next week we're going to play the Homestead Spartans, it's our rivals, and we've played them once before, and unfortunately we were beaten by them, but we actually played very, very well. I mean, even though the the score looks a little lopsided in favor of Homestead, in reality it was not because we had a ton of red zone opportunities and had to settle for field goals. So tell us what it's going to be like from a player's perspective to get a second shot at the Spartans. Uh, getting a second shot at the Spartans, obviously. It's our rival, and uh, there's a lot of talking uh, leading up to the first game, and fortunately we didn't come out with the win. But I feel like we will come out with the win this time just because uh, we have all our stuff ready. We will have it ready by Friday, and I don't think they're ready to play us like because how they played against Noblesville. I don't think uh, they're as mentally prepared as we are because we want this game more than anyone. Now, this will be our third game on Artificial Surface. Uh, we've played on Spoiler Stadium twice, and we've also played on the new Shields Field at Dwinger. And in all of those games, you know, Jeffrey's played pretty well. So there must be something about an artificial surface that, that he really likes. But what's it like from a lineman's perspective to play on natural surface like we have and an artificial surface that every other 6A team has besides us? Playing on grass, you know, it can get wet and muddy and you won't have that good of a step when you take your first step, so you'll slide a little bit. But playing on turf, yeah, it can get wet, but it's not as slick and it won't get muddy. So we have more traction and we're able to get more of a push out of it. Now, I've asked our offensive linemen, uh, the other ones that we had on, especially uh, Orion, Chinnery, the center, you get to do two types of blocking. You get to do run blocking, and you get to do pass blocking. Out of those two, what is your personal favorite? Um, personally, I like to run block just because getting a bigger run than a uh, longer pass, I feel like, is more like hype, I guess. And you feel better when you're part of um, a big run like that. And pass blocking, yeah, it's fun, but you don't feel as included in it. Now, you're a four-year player in our program, and you've had a lot of different teammates and a lot of different coaches. So first, I want you to tell me, who has been your favorite teammate over the last four years? So uh, I would have to say Evan Harris. He's just a great friend and teammate in general, and I've always blocked for him since the beginning, since freshman year. And he's also someone that I can count on on the field to play his heart out to better the team overall. Now, Evan has been known to have beautiful, long, flowing hair. But he got it all cut off this week. I didn't even recognize him when I was out on the field before the game, except he was wearing his regular 27. Did they have to give him a new helmet because he had a lot less hair? No. I, I Since he has one of the newer helmets, I think it's easily adjustable to it. But, yeah, I didn't recognize him either when he first got it cut off. That's your favorite teammate. Evan is a great guy. Love his family. Awesome. Who has been your favorite coach to work with in your four years in the program? So obviously my favorite coach or coaches would be my position coaches, which is Coach Nixon and Coach Hershey. But also one of my other favorites would be head coach Dinan. And uh, they've just helped me out 
up to who I am, the person to who I am today. And they've been through my life, like through the highs and lows of my life. And he's in high school football special. I mean, it is such a gift to play high school football. And for you, you're lucky enough. You're a starter, and you're out there in a in a kind of in the thick of competition. Uh, so being a member of the football team, what has that meant to um, you? It's been something big in my life. I've been playing football since I was since I can remember actually, and I've always looked up to my brother playing football, and I was always saying I wanted to be at that level one day, and just being on the team and being on the sidelines first three years and playing my fourth year right now, it's been awesome, and I don't want it to end. Well, I hope you boys keep playing so we can watch at least a, three or four more games because it's been quite a show you guys have been putting on. All right, in a few months, you're going to be a graduate of Carroll High School. What are your plans after graduation? So I plan on going to college and studying marketing, but I also hope to continue playing football at the college level. So you got a school in mind? Um, I'd, I would like to go to somewhere close, so St. Francis or Concordia in Arbor. Well, those are great football schools. That'll be perfect. Nathan, it's been a pleasure to watch you play. Uh, I want you to keep, you know, pushing that pile down the field, helping Evan out, and keep holding those defensive ends at bay so that Becker can hit that fantastic core of wide receivers. And let's go take down those Spartans next week, and let's put a trophy up on the wall. So thank you for being on the show. Yep, thank you. OPS, Optimum Performance Sports, is the official sports medicine provider of Carroll High School. From diagnosing, repairing, and rehabbing injuries to pushing yourself to the limit on the playing field by utilizing cutting-edge training programs, Optimum Performance Sports is proud to be a partner with Charger Athletics and the Carroll community. For more information, visit www.optimumperformancesports.com. OPS, rethink your limits. Next Friday night, the Chargers are going to travel down to our friends in the Southwest, the Homestead Spartans, where we take on the number three ranked and undefeated Spartans for the sectional championship. Now, the Spartans in their sectional game had to travel down to Noblesville, where they beat the Millers by a field goal in overtime. And in fact, they scored the game tying touchdown on the last play regulation. So quite a win by the Spartans. And uh, basically, you know, anytime that you've got to travel two hours to play somebody and you're a big high school player sitting on a yellow bus and those yellow buses are pretty much only made for nine-year-olds, uh, that has an effect on kids. So coach, talk about that win that Homestead had this week. And then what do you expect to see from them next week when we travel to their place? Well, first of all, Noblesville is, is a good football team and they play in a very tough conference um, in the Hoosier Crossroads Conference. And you know, there's there's a lot of good teams that, that they have played all year long. You know, teams like Fishers and Hamilton Southeastern and Avon and Brownsburg and, you know, and, and I can go on and on. All those are, are good teams, very good teams. And, you know, people look at their record and they see, you know, one and eight at the end of the regular season, you know, but they fail to understand that, you know, all those eight losses came against teams that are, are very, very good programs. Um, and Noblesville has always had a, a very sound, good traditional program. Um, and, and Homestead, you know, as you pointed out, I mean, it's it's tough get on the get on the bus and travel two hours. And 
you know, and then, then your kids have to be emotionally ready to play. You have to have everything in line and, you know, it's cold and, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, they, they played very close, you know, without question. I mean, Homestead had the score and, uh, Noblesville had a, a couple of situations where they dropped some interceptions and they could have ended the game. Um, and, you know, they botched a snap on a field goal in overtime that didn't allow them to, to relinquish any points on their first possession in overtime. And, and Noblesville, I mean, and Homestead comes away with the, with the win. Um, it doesn't diminish the, the ability of Homestead. It doesn't diminish, you know, the, the offensive firepower that they have and the defensive, you know, tenacity that they show continually. Um, they're going to be ready to play because this is for a championship and this is, you know, what everybody plays for. You play to put championships on the wall, and and that's what we're playing for Friday night. And you, and you got to put into account two big rivals going at each other again. And so, you know, when we played them in the regular season, we were toe-to-toe with them for a number of quarters but had to settle for field goals when they scored touchdowns. And that was basically the difference in the game. Yeah, it, it really is. And you and you point that out, and that's that's exactly it. And we we talk about that with our kids, you know, continually. That you know we've got to be productive and efficient in the red zone, and can't come away with with field goals. You know, we had one touchdown, and that was it. And and the rest of the the nine points are, you know, are, are all are all you know field goals. And so, you know, we've got to be productive, and, and if we're going to win the championship, or we're going to compete at that level. You know, then we've got to be we've got to be good when we get inside the 20, 25 yard line. Yeah, you know, it almost things feels like this could be another shootout, almost like what we had last week. But you know, it it just may not be. If I can remember right, uh, Homestead starting running back got hurt in our game, and I don't think he's returned. And he was a good weapon for him, and he was very quick and very fast. So how have they been able to fill in that running back role with that that guy that got hurt? Well, I mean, they obviously they have depth at that position, and the, you know the, you know the kid that's playing there right now is a physical, you know, good sized back, you know, that was playing on the defensive side for him, you know. But without question, I mean, losing Hardwick, you know, is a is always a when it's one of your starting guys, it's always tough and it's always a loss. But you know, they've got a lot of talent on the offensive side. You know, they've got receivers, they've got quarterback, you know, that can they can sling it around the offensive line does a tremendous job. And so, you know, that I don't know if it forces them to be as one dimensional as, as everybody believes, but, you know, we're going to, we're going to take our chances, you know, that, that we have good athletes that, that can play and can cover, that can tackle, that can control the line of scrimmage. And, you know, we, we hope to, you know, eliminate them from big plays. And, and if we can do that, then we've got an opportunity. It's really hard to beat a team twice in one season. And you've been in the coaching game for a long time. And the way the sectional work works is you're almost guaranteed to play somebody for a second time. So talk about that from maybe Homestead's perspective where they had won the first time and then kind of look at it from the way that we sit in. If you had lost the first time, how does that change your mindset the second time around? Well, from from the coaching mindset, you know, you're you're looking at things that you did well, things that you need to improve on, um, opportunities that you didn't take advantage on. Um, you know, the, that's that's the coaching mindset. You know, you you feel that you know you played okay. 
you know, and, and there are areas that you can improve on and areas that you want to be better on. And, and one of those areas we already talked about, which is, you know, red zone opportunities. Um, defensively, you know, the areas that we have to improve on is to eliminate big plays. You know, they had some touchdowns and some runs on, on big plays. And if we can eliminate, you know, the big plays and contain them a little bit better, then we feel that, you know, you've got a better opportunity. From a, from a player's mindset, I think that, you know, revenge is always a factor that, you know, that you want, you want a second chance at somebody, you want revenge. And, you know, that's, that's a powerful thing, but, you know, revenge and, and, and anger and, and hate and all of those things include fear. All of those motivators, all of those motivators only last a little while. They're, they're not extensive in their, in their, you know, role in terms of motivating and pushing somebody to get something accomplished. The things that are going to push you to, to get something accomplished is, is your love and your will to continue to play and, and fight and, and, and do what's best for your teammates. And that's, that what has to be the catalyst to, to drive us forward. Well, you keep those chargers driving and let's go take on those Spartans and bring home a trophy with another sectional title this coming Friday. Thanks for being on the show, coach, and good luck. All right. Thank you, Andy, very much. We would like to thank our athletic trainers, Steve Lubyhusen, Michaela Hoffman, and Jordan Redding, who along with OPS and the doctors of Fort Wayne Orthopedics provide all the sports medicine services for Northwest Allen County Schools. Go where the Chargers go. I mean, I am 16 minutes already into this podcast because the highlights were so long. And I'm finally up to your part. So this, yeah. is, this is going to be a long show. So feel free to talk That's as okay. much as you want because there's a ton of good stuff. So, Or or as little. You don't need to hear me all oh, that much. Do you think people are, they listen to this podcast, they listen to me? Heck no. <laughs> you and the kids are by far the best part.